You're listening to The Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. Tell me if I'm going too far. Tell me if I'm going too far. Do you like this? Because I can see the love in the dark. Yeah, I can feel the beat in your heart. You like this? Tell me if I'm going too far. Tell me if I'm going too far. Do you like this? Because I can see the love in the dark. Yeah, I can feel the beat in your heart when you get excited. Hey everyone, it's Thursday, May 26th, 2016. I'm Marvin Yue. Across from me is Minji Chang. We're Hello. the hosts of this episode 69 of the Collabcast. What? Welcome. And this week we have a very special guest. We're welcoming Tracy Katokiriyama here to the Collabcast. Hello. She is, well, she's, she does a lot of things. We know her best as the founder of Tuesday Night Project. Uh, what uh, Tuesday Night Cafe is a part of. When I first met her, she was still running the whole thing. Um, but she's also a multidisciplinary artist, writer, author, actor, arts educator, and community organizer. Yeah. She teaches Ooh. wellness, creativity, and community engagement at the Pomona Colleges. I did. I did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's involved in all sorts of community building. Um, she's a writer, a poet. And all around um, badass. And also part of the Budokan Project in Los Angeles, which, yes. which is a big community center that they're building in Little, Little Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah, J-Town. Yeah. Hopefully next year. Yeah, and um, they have a really great, uh, it's a ball or a... It's like going to be an old school fundraiser, 80s, <laughs> 90s hip hop with like DJ Icy Ice and Key Cool and... Can I be there? Nice. Please be there. It's going to be a sweat fest. I was like, I'm not even going to try to be cute. Oh, I yeah. show up with a towel around my neck. Very nice. Ooh. <laughs> she feels prepared. Go. Yes. I've seen Tracy dance. She gets down. <laughs> So we are cut from the same cloth then, yes. essentially, Tracy, you and me. We need to party, <laughs> June 4th. Were you there at Phil's party, at his kickoff party for Ali Phil? I couldn't. See, I, yeah, I you would have been photos. there because we. W- I made a beeline right for the dance floor. I, I didn't say hi. <laughs> That's totally me. I felt a little rude because I totally bypassed people that I should have said hello to. And I was like, nope, going right when there. When you hear the right song, you just oh, have to honor yeah. it. Yes. We're so excited to have Tracy on. Welcome to the podcast. Um, been wanting to invite you for a while now. That's awesome. No, Tracy, it's such an honor. And actually, I didn't even know half the things that I, I knew that you do a lot of the things that Marvin just listed up. But I didn't know your full LinkedIn resume. Well, no, I feel like LinkedIn would be even more <laughs> expansive and impressive. But I didn't know you did all that. That's insane. Yeah, I have many different identities. How There's do you sleep? Clearly tons of people I know through all these different things that don't know about these other things. Right, right, right. You know? They only know you as Tracy from this. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So, you. It's a little yeah. schizophrenic, but it's fun. Keep it's your busy. life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting commentary about that from my, all my traveling. Everyone's like, so how do you live? I don't know. How do you live? Happily. How do you sleep? The, uh, not so much. Not enough. When we first enough. met, you slept at like 10 or like 10 or earlier. When was that? Like when you first moved here. You got you used to get mad at me for staying up till like midnight. <laughs> Did are I? You, are you? That seems like such a lie. Are you <laughs> an early bird? A late bird or a day person? Well, I'm a night owl for sure. You're a night owl? Yeah. Um, I've become, I'm trying to train myself to become more of a morning person. I am most productive in the mornings, but I still have a hard time getting up early. Because my friend was saying it in a good way that she she's like, I'm not a morning person, but I'm not a night owl. Yeah. She's like, I'm a day person because once she starts at like 10 or 11, she can go straight nonstop yeah. to yeah. like that's 11, me. 12. That's me. And I was like, that's what I am. Yeah. We're in the new yeah. terminology. I get started at midnight and I go 
But then you show up during the day and he's completely gone. And I was like, Marvin, this is, you're not, sync with me, damn it, sync with me. I can't work with you if you're waking up at 1 p.m. But I wish I was a late, I mean, an early morning person. Mm. That's the thing. You do, like, right. you feel like really accomplished, and by the time you hit lunch, you're like, I've already done two-thirds yeah. of my day. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I was on my way when I was working in a corporate job, because you had to. And then now that, you know, we have... So what do I do to now enforce this? Oh. <laughs> you're saying he had to. You know, there are, there are ways. <laughs> but, so we're really glad to have Tracy on this week to talk about wellness and mental health. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're going to talk more about that. Did you say health? Mental health. <laughs> health. Ooh, she is on you. I talk well. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk more about that later on in the show. But each and every week we start the podcast out with a roundtable segment where we go around the table talking about what's on our minds in pop culture in Asia America. So this week, let's start with Minji. What's on your mind? Uh, what's most on my mind right now is uh, the big city hall concert that we had um, a few nights ago. But it was it was awesome for the LA Asian um, Heritage Month, Asian Pacific Heritage Month, which was awesome. They had this big concert, and I don't know. In general, I'm kind of just reflecting on the lineup, how impressive it was, and it had you know Tribal Theory, Joseph Vincent, Run River North, um, a guy named Kevin O, who's who's pretty famous, I guess, in Korea, and. And Jenny Yang hosted it, and Janae Aiko was the headliner. Dumbfound and Aquafina performed. It was a really great lineup. And for me, coming from collaboration, I'm just always reflecting on like how many awesome artists we know have grown to a point. We have so many to choose from, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's that's a really uh, wonderful feeling for me to to reflect on. And I don't know how you guys feel about because like in film and in music and all that stuff, we keep growing. And I know certain times it gets really like. How much progress have we made? Mm-hmm. And um, how much impact are we having mainstream? Things like that come up. So I don't know how you feel about that, just like being in the, that creative space. Well, I, I heard about a lot of folks who went over the weekend uh-huh. to the LA City Hall thing. And just the fact that City Hall also yeah. is getting more involved in recognizing all the great stuff to bring in um, all these folks based in Los Angeles. Right. Um, and I think, you know, Way before collaboration started, right, there, and, and before Tuesday Night Cafe started, we, it was very common for a lot of our friends to not have gigs um, alongside even one other Asian American artist. Right, exactly. So like bands that we knew, they didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt like in in theater we we knew each other because in theater you have to you know collaborate and you, yeah. you, you you're <laughs> limited on resources, right? Right. But you know, even then it was kind of like okay, well, the Asian American actors over here, and then you know some people like writing over here, and then the poets way over there, right? And, you know, so I just think in general I I trip out on the the constant amount of super collaborative or like multi bill shows like exactly. that. Exactly. It was fun. And it was fun for me just watching cuz <laughs> we had to see we had, we saw, sat there and it was like a family show they invited the entire city. It was a very public free event and it was just funny watching um Dumbfounded and Aquafina have to like family censor family themselves. censor themselves <laughs> a yeah. bit. Um, which then, I've never heard them do. You know, were I know there were a them. lot of kids. Um, there were some kids. Like it wasn't. Front. Front. I don't think there were a lot of little. Like, all the families were sitting in the greens, the, right. the green area on um, Grand Park. It's like cover they your ears. Like, yeah, but then like Janae Aiko comes on and just like 
doesn't censor anything. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, I don't know. I like that. I'm very, it's funny because I, well, Tracy, I don't know if you know this. I can be quite a potty mouth when Good. I'm just talking amongst <laughs> friends. Um, and, well, I get in trouble. I'll try, trust me, my parents and... <laughs> it's not good in professional settings, but for me, it's kind of that antithesis of the Asian expectation of being very, especially as a female, to be very soft-spoken, to be very like ladylike, even whatever that means. Um, and maybe that's why I was so adamant about, I'm, I'm going to see what I want, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've always gravitated towards the style of artists that are very raw, and even if it's very controversial, very provocative, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's so cool to see that diversity. Within. Yeah, when people kind of don't give a fuck. I mean, yeah, are we allowed to? Yeah. Yes, yeah, of course. It's a podcast. <laughs> a you bit. Know. Yeah, we, we sprinkle. There's no FCC regulating okay, us. <laughs> but no, it's interesting. No, there's a time and place to be proper and clean. But I think, especially in these days, in terms of the amount of media that's out there, so many people trying to make their mark, like establish their vibe. Um, it's interesting that people seem to be drawn to people who are more raw, more real, more authentic, because mm-hmm. in the end, you know, that's what really shines through in storytelling mm-hmm. or artistry. It's just, are you telling me what you something that you want to say, or mm-hmm. are you telling me what you think I want to hear? Yeah, right. right. And I think it's like you feel someone's honesty, and then you feel like just a sense of freedom. Right. And kind of like when you can be f- totally free on stage... That is kind of the best feeling, and that I think ultimately connects, right? And like, that connects and translates yeah. to everybody listening. And you feel at, at ease. You're just like, okay, I can relax. Like, right. Even if they are, you know, with the full on potty mouth or whatever. Like you mentioned <laughs> Shin Kawasaki early on, you know, like, yeah. yes, I love that guy, and he cusses up a shitstorm. And, <laughs> um, but what, what, what I think people love about him is that he is just a very free artist right free musician yeah i think that's why we gravitate towards artists in general i've said that a lot of times mm-hmm. i realize i finally got to identify artists to me represent freedom mm-hmm. even though there are certain parameters in which we accept certain types of art like oh that's good art and that's you know that gets to each their own mm-hmm. right but in general why i appreciate or gravitate to the artists that i do is because to me they're like a liberation of like oh okay it is okay to um, like even what honestly Beyonce, but just to how she's so unashamed and adamant about liberating women sexually, just saying like you know what women are not less human than men in terms of desire, in terms of enjoyment of things, and like art, like these certain cultural expectations of women. I I mean it could go off about days, but like that's what I I believe like a a great song or her as an icon does for a lot of people mm-hmm. to make them feel like it's cool like I can be who I am mm-hmm. and I don't care what you think yeah <laughs> bye and, and she can include and artists like that can include the controversy right and not be afraid with like it, embrace right? the controversy yeah. and yeah. just like I'm just gonna go with it right. I'm like you go girl yeah yeah because everyone else is scared like me <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what <laughs> yeah so looping it back to the concert it was really great to see not only um all these Asian American artists on stage, but you know they represented the you know the people who are really up and coming and introducing them to because it's a free concert because the city was able to put money behind it and so many people went and discovered new artists that I'm sure most of them didn't know existed right you know right you know most of them came for probably the headliner yeah and were exposed to all these other great talents that they all rocked really hard 
and it was it was a great show. Good job, good job, LA. Yeah, no, that was the, <laughs> and again, like Money Talks, it was great that they put money behind this to make this a spectacle and to put it on the steps of City Hall and for everybody to enjoy for free. I thought that was amazing, and that's a huge step, I think, in the right direction. So, also one thing I, I think. I saw the final lineup and I appreciated, like, I know that early on they were talking about like Bruno Mars or like, you know, and I love that guy, but he's like uber huge. And at least this was a stage for folks, like you're saying, up and coming and certainly fans um, of each of them on the lineup might not probably didn't know every single one. The other ones, right? You know what I mean? And I think that there's something about that. Like the city putting money to that Mm -hmm. is great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we give two thumbs up. Yeah. Good job. Except work on your sound system. (laughs) (laughs) Side note, please fix your sound for that. (laughs) Tracy, what's on your mind? Well, I was so awesomely happy when I saw, um, what was it, the night before last Thursday, um, the Google Doodle with Yuri Kochiyama. Yeah. I was uh, in a writing session with, Kennedy, my stage partner, and he was like, oh my gosh, look at Google. We're like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so celebrating Yuri Kochiyama's birthday and, and, and seeing her image in animation form and then being able to click on that and you know just have the world kind of take a look for a second yeah. at someone who, again, like huge icon to, to some and unknown to many. Yeah. Unknown to me. Mm. Like I didn't know about her before. Okay. Yeah, Before yeah, yeah. last Thursday, or I had heard her name, but yeah. like I feel like again, each time these different commemorations come up, I learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just like I'm honest about my lack of Asian American education. Um, I'm very like more pop culture educated, but in terms of people who like more of the social justice side, I guess mm-hmm. it's something that I've acknowledged more and more because I keep learning more and more how much I don't know. Mm. Um, it's really, it's a, and it, being in LA has really opened my eyes to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah, think it's impossible to know it all, right? I mean, but I it, like it shows us like, how big the history is yeah. and how big the community is yeah. and how big the world is. Yeah. Like I'll never be caught up with all the artists that are coming out with stuff. I mean, even like y'all, I didn't know that this was, Podcast number 69. You know? (laughs) Try not to. (laughs) Like, that's amazing. Like, all this stuff right around us. Right. To just stay on top with each other, you know, in the community and amongst friends, you know? There's a lot. And I know I just said this last week, but that's a big reason why we started doing this is so we force ourselves to talk to each other, talk to people from the community, and really give a forum for this conversation and also share it with other people who, you know, might also be learning about Yuri Kochiyama for the first time. This, yeah, this podcast yeah. like is, is like classroom half the time mm. where I just like sit and learn. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, that was really awesome. I think it kicked in uh, at 9 p.m. our time the day before because it's, you know, right. the next day. Already right, midnight. Right, right. Yeah. I caught it around 11 o'clock yeah, or so. And it was interesting because that's, you know, for those of us who knew about her, that is her iconic image, like yeah. her with the, the megaphone. Right, and the glasses and yeah. the bandana. <laughs> and I mean, the same thing happened with the um, the Jubilee Projects video with Vincent Shin. Yeah. So many people don't right. know about that story. Right. Even now. Again, that was the I first time I... watched that thing like five times <laughs> and just like shared it with so many people. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you gotta see this, you gotta see this. Because, yeah. you know, Asian American history spans now like almost a century, Right, mm-hmm. like maybe more, even more. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Can either yeah. one of you, in a couple sentences, since this is like the roundtable, can <laughs> you guys happening? summarize her 
for those who don't know and maybe learning for the first time on this podcast, like myself. I think this is why I brought Tracy on. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, I should have brought it. You know, I I I got to write a piece um, for her memorial. <laughs> oh, right, because wow. she passed away yeah. last year, right? Or yeah. Um, two two summers two, ago. Yeah. And I have to say that was like probably you know definitely one of the biggest honors. And pressures, yeah, uh, ever for writing. And um, you know, I, I have a memory of her when I was twenty and uh, an intern at the Japanese American National Museum for Karen Ishizuka, who has a book called "Serve the People." And um, I was in her office on a weekend, and I was sharing the same office as Allison Kochiyama, and I was just digging through files, and like the lights were off because it was just summertime, and just trying to like conserve energy and and then this old woman walks through the door and sits on the on the chair and I was like oh my god in my head I'm like oh my god it's Yuri Kochim. It's Yuri and, and I am not a starstruck person the one time in my life that I have truly felt starstruck was in that moment and I was just like, what do I say? What do I say? What, do I ask her questions? She looks like she's trying to rest. Uh, and then it just kind of came out. And I was like, hi. How are you? Yeah, she, so, you know, I, I knew her as somebody who was there with, um, you know, that image of her with Malcolm X upon his assassination holding his head. Okay. And um, from there, that, that image, like really learning about who she was um, as a, a, a very courageous, I was about to say fearless, but I'm going to say courageous yeah. woman who just kind of put herself, again, that idea of like not giving a fuck. Like she just put herself out there and said, you know, Malcolm, I want to know, you know, what, what I want to know more about what you all are going through, you know, and just kind of would like talk to him from the crowd. And they eventually like met and made friends. And she was really, really, um, I think, just a huge organizer in yeah. support of political prisoners, um, you know, just, I mean, countless sort of personal and community-wide campaigns that mm -hmm. she would go on. She would write letters to prisoners. Um, she was, like, just nonstop. Yeah. Just nonstop. I mean, everything I know about her was through reading stuff. You know, a yeah. lot of things came out when she passed away. Even before, like, you couldn't be around, like, Asian-American advocacy or activism or even history without seeing her picture, hearing her name, you know, she, her, she was invoked in songs. Mm -hmm. um, there, was a, there was a really cool video that Magnetic North made um, mm -hmm. featuring a lot of you know, Asian-American leaders from around the nation mm -hmm. kind of lip syncing to their song. And there was a, there was a couple bars where Yuri Kochiyama was lip syncing to... Um, to Tivu's part. And yeah, yeah. I was and then the Blue Scholars, of course, right? Yeah. When I grew yeah, up, yeah. I want to be like Yuri Kochiyama. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just so much great homage. And yeah. she nurtured generations and, and thankfully lived so long yeah. um, to do that. Yeah. So everyone should, uh, if you don't know, there's a little thing called Google. Go, just go <laughs> check it out. <laughs> if you missed the, the doodle, if you wonder what that Asian lady was doing on your search screen yeah. and didn't click on it, yeah. um, you can learn a lot. And... Like Yuri was in the internment camps, right? Mm -hmm. Like she went through that and then came out and got active. Yeah, and know? her journey yeah. was amazing because she was always an active person. Mm -hmm. So she, um, when she was in camp, she would write letters to soldiers. She just always wanted to make people feel like they had support mm -hmm. and help. And uh, she was always that person who'd be up really late at night when like the soldiers would come in like to visit their families. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, but really learning a lot about like race consciousness by working with the Black Panthers, by working with folks like Malcolm X, like really became this super fierce voice for um, in this like tiny body, right? right that yeah. just never stopped. And and then uh, what I love too is that like at the memorial, you know, her grandkids spoke, and that was probably my favorite part mm -hmm. because they also said, you know, we only knew her as grandma. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's super admirable. Like something I really love about her is that um, she was also really present as like a family person. Mm -hmm. Like I always feel like I'm never around enough, like as a daughter, a friend, an auntie, you know, like you're yeah. doing all the things that we listed at the beginning of this podcast, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, and that's real because, you know, you only have so many. Uh, so many jewels of energy in your body to do yeah. things and what you can pay attention to. I mean, that that's why I am stunned when I learned the lives of these people. The same feeling I felt with like Grace Lee Boggs. Like I didn't mm -hmm. know much about who she was until her passing. And it's unfortunate that I didn't know, but like, a, you know, once I found that out and I, I took the time to read a few articles and like just watch a couple of videos about her, I was like, it, it reminds you that you can do so much in your life. And mm -hmm. there are people who did extraordinary things and were great with their family, like still had the time to do all the things. Yeah, she had passion with many things, right? Mm -hmm. She found fun in many things. Mm -hmm. And did you know about her bear collection? No. So she had this like bear collection, this like stuffed bear collection, so people would add to it. And she was like just as passionate about that. You know what I mean? And just yeah. as kind and like excited and about this that. this one. Yeah. <laughs> she would be like that. And then the next sentence she'd be like, okay, so now we have to get people to so-and-so's hearing. Right? Like... Just amazing. Yeah, I've 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 made a committee in the last five minutes since you were looking at my bears. Like, <laughs> we're gonna have a meeting in here. Get out. <laughs> the bear room. Bring is your the bear and room. sit down. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, check check her out, guys. Yes. And gals. And um, all right, my topic mm -hmm. is um. So this week, the um the new 2016 Nielsen report came out about the Asian American market, I guess. And this is a report that they've been doing for the last few years, just talking about how we're the fastest growing market and people should start talking to us because we have the money. And it's always gotten criticism because it kind of ignores the fact that in Asian America, there's so many different situations economically, socially. Mm -hmm. And this year, it's interesting that they did make some effort in breaking down the demographics um, by geography and by you know, ethnic group. Um, the end result was still kind of Asians are all digital. They, they're mostly entrepreneurial. They have a lot of money. You should talk to them. Just why? These are the numbers. But to me, it was interesting. They're, it seems like they were trying to make the effort but couldn't find, like you can't talk about the economic disparity without, without saying some Asians are worth talking to more than others. Mm. Right. And, um, but this is a conversation that's starting to gain traction because, you know, in California right now, there's the AHEAD Act, which is trying to disaggregate Asian American demographics in surveys for healthcare, mm -hmm. right? And the um, the federal government, the federal, I think it was Department of Education, just announced that they are also starting to dis disaggregate their Asian American demographic to to support the different needs of the community better. And it got me thinking, now looping back to <laughs> media and entertainment, just like, the Asian American narrative that we see in media is always so homogenous, right? It's not like the Filipino friend or the mm -hmm. Korean friend or Japanese. It was like the, the Asian friend. Mm -hmm. And there's so many stories that just aren't being told or expressed. And, you know, that's something that's really interesting about 
Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. But it takes place in the San Gabriel Valley, and they show, you know, a community that's diverse. They have characters that aren't just walking stereotypes, you know. Their main love interest is, like, an Asian bro, like a Filipino dude who, like, just wants to hang out with his friends, drink beer, and, you know, be, like, just a, a townie, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that... Um, that presentation is so refreshing to mm-hmm. us who know someone like that who in any other show would be you know, some white frat boy. Mm-hmm. But in this show, it's like, it's like that's my friend. Mm-hmm. Like, right? did you see Master of None? Yeah. And that one episode where Aziz Ansari's character is um, in negotiation on, um, I guess it's a new TV series or maybe a film. Yeah. And... And his big thing, because I guess it, it, it was revealed that one of the executives made a pretty racist joke, and it was in an email that got forwarded to him accidentally. Right. And he met up with him, and he said, you know, it's not so much the crappy joke you did, but, you know, the main point that they had was, well, we can't have, we have to choose between Aziz and that other guy, mm-hmm. because there can't be two Indians. And he was like, why can't there be? That That's my big thing. Like, yeah. why can't there be two of us? <laughs> right? Like, right. Yeah, and then the punchline, <laughs> the punchline, the episode at the end is they create a show, right. Perfect Strangers yeah. version, but one of them has to have an accent, yeah, right, yeah, and it just um, that's funny because it just shows even when Hollywood's trying, they still want to fit everything the tropes, yes, right, because that's how people consume, that's how they think people consume media, like yeah. people can't handle something different, something yeah. new, something fresh. Yeah, how would you, how would you, uh, layman's turn the word trope? Because I hear it used a lot. I know what it like. It's basically a like unoriginal stereotype. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying that because, yeah. <laughs> There's a really great site that I go to a lot called tvtropes.com. It's basically like another wiki hole because it just lists out all the tropes for any piece of media, movies, TV show. And then you click on the tropes and there's a trope uh, definition, where the trope came from, and other mediums that use that trope. And then you just go further and curious, further and like, further. I'm curious when that word started being, it's like I hear it everywhere, but no one ever bothered. To, they just kind of use it in context so you figure out what it means, but then <laughs> no one ever said what does that actually mean. And I felt like the idiot that was like, why is everyone saying this word like I should know it? Because I don't. Stop. It's so Hollywood. Well, it feels more... It's not so Hollywood. It's more, more social... It's too, more right? It's more social justice in my opinion. Uh, really? Yes. I feel like I always hear it in yeah, entertainment. It's a media, it's a media term. Is it? Yeah. 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 I'm just out of touch. See, I'm still learning again classroom guys classroom. Still it's, learning. Like, We're all still it's like a writing's room like writer's room type thing like writers use it a lot because because tropes is how people build treatments right this is this See, but not everyone knows what treatment is <laughs> that's my thing here's okay that's a good point yeah, yeah. so this that is my word request. gets used yeah. way a lot yeah so personally i'm just coming from someone who works in entertainment in my aspects as a as an artist and consumer or whatever it's just general. It's just, this is my Minji's annoyance soapbox. I don't like it when people talk about everything like in jargon that I don't get, but they act like I should. But it's really them just trying to show off that they know it. Ooh, let's talk about that. Like, what, what <laughs> most what most irritates you? Oh, I just <laughs> like I, well, I just like I because I do think words are so important and loaded and interesting and powerful, mm-hmm. and like um, the word that's kind of on my irritation list of late and of long is the word um, like everyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, um, like as in, well, everyone's reading that today or <laughs> everyone's talking about or everyone saw, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just think, you know, 
I always question like, well, no, not really. Not actually. <laughs> actually, no. You know? That's yeah. very true. And I definitely <laughs> use that word. I do too. I, I find myself using it a lot. And, and that's why I'm like trying to catch myself on that. Yeah. We're, anything absolute is always not really. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. never, absolute everyone. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You no, know, but totally. It's, what about you? What's a word that's on your irritation list of late? Oh. We got trope, we got treatment, <laughs> everyone. I mean, I did, because in San Francisco, I don't know. It's just, it's a way to exclude people. So I've been around a lot of smart people, and I'm not saying, it, it's it's a way to, I mean, there's definitely a level of like, oh, I look at them like, you're so smart, and you mm-hmm. know what you're talking about, and that's really great. But I feel like, I don't know, I get I get annoyed with it fast. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how we got here, I'm just saying. Oh, it's because I, I use words that annoyed her. That's why. No, well, I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you use words that I get, but like I get concerned about other people being able to understand it because that's what I want is for... And I I've, I've know what it feels like to be in the position where like they're using all these words and I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. Mm-hmm. But I feel... And I feel stupid that I don't know it. I um, use Google a lot more about that because Google now you can type in the word and gives you the definition right up front, right up top. Yeah, right at the top, Very which useful. is awesome. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> That's but point. anyway, no, I want it to be. I yeah, I it's like a, maybe it's a San Francisco thing. Just living in Silicon Valley, my like so many like oh blah 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 and angel investing in mm. round mm. two. I was like, I don't mm. know what any of that means. Yeah, I know what those mean, but. It's I a different world. I figured out it's what the, I know world. what that we means. A lot. I know what that means now, but I'm saying in general, like I don't know. I think I'm still on my BuzzFeed like stink face mode. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I'm not. I, I love you, Marvin, and no, I know I'm I get not it. It's kind of like the overuse of any kind of jargon in any space, and then when you enter a new space or like you're relating with older people, younger people, different generations, then you can kind of see the confusion on people's faces and you realize that your language, your typical language is not typical language. It happens. I'm not saying I'm exempt from that. Like I do this to my family all the time. I was like, you guys, I shared the thing, BuzzFeed video with my mom. I was like, mom, it went viral. She know what the hell that means. (laughs) And you know, again, a lot of people saw it. Yeah, but I should have just said that instead of like I'm not impressing my mother by telling her it went viral. You know, she doesn't know, and I feel like but then she can use that word to impress her friends. Maybe she can, you know, or irritate them and isolate them. Yeah, my daughter's video <laughs> just went viral. putting that out there as a point of reference. <laughs> I want to be in- to the initial point. We're all learning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So and that happened with and, and this kind of goes back to my table topic of when I was uh, no, not I'm sorry to yours. When I was learning about these different people, I felt very incompetent Mm -hmm. that as an Asian American leader, I felt very deficient that I didn't know who that was. And when they were like, oh my God, don't you love her? I was like, yeah, who? Like, I don't know. Oh, see, because I hate when I do that, though, to other people. Like, you don't know who? Like, it's just like this uh, initial reaction. And and I think that that has to be, like, self-checked and challenged because... Again, like to the point, like it's a big world, you know, I just feel like I'm always out of it or behind or out of the loop on like, (laughs) me too, who the the, like, who's new singer songwriter is, yeah, who are the young folks, anyway, but I think once we let that go and just realize how big of a world it is, and even just like Los Angeles, it's a really big city. We can't possibly know everyone. You but can everyone feel like you've yeah. dated everyone. You can feel like you know everyone. And, <laughs> then, and then you get surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to say that 
it's great to see more people realizing that Asian America is much more than just Chinese, Japanese, Korean. Yes. And hopefully we'll get more than just, you know, obvious the social benefits of being able to address more of the issues that affect, you know, people in our community, but also see some more of those stories come out that have been, in essence, um, covered. That's, you mean the opposite? Like yeah, the, 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 the stories that have been... Oh, um, buried? Buried under, you know, the... the <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, Anyways. I think it's definitely the time. Like, yeah. the, all the conversations that have been happening now are definitely creating this space for interest to come, yeah. right? Well, also, I From think when we're looking at statistics and data, I mean, I feel like a group like Nielsen could gain a lot from looking at the community of contrast mm-hmm. um, data that Advancing Justice folks worked on, right? Like, that's an amazing report. Yeah. You know, um, somehow we need to get that <laughs> out more. All that disaggregated data. I want to look at this data. Joanna. So yeah, I'm going to that show it to Joanna. and also, um, you know, language. Yeah. It's important. But that, I think that <laughs> that's where I came from. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, that's where it's coming. It's, it's the thought stemmed from the Nielsen thing, saying like, how are you framing it for people to understand it? Are you framing it so that you're setting a bias? Are you setting it so that it's excluding people? Are you setting it so that people are welcome to understand it better? Mm-hmm. That's what I wonder with all of that data stuff and like what these reports really say. That's where it was from. Yeah, right. And I think they're sorry, learning I didn't too. Make the connection there. Right. right. It feels like they're learning. They're they're trying. Yeah, that's they're what they're trying. Saying. They they did respond to the last feedback, right? So that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> but also talking about data, I mean, when we look at wellness or yeah. like resources for mental health, yeah. right? That's huge. And we'll get to that oh, after this break. I'm so- excited. Hey everyone, it's Marvin. Thanks again for listening to our collabcast episode sixty nine. Um, with Tracy Kato Kiriyama. We hope you've been enjoying the show so far. But before we get back to the show, um, I just want to share a few collaboration updates. As you may know, the Collabcast is brought to you by Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in arts and entertainment, discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of our communities. Collaboration operates in 14 cities across the U.S. and Canada. So for more information about what we do and our events, so for more information about what we do and our events, check out collaboration.org. You can also find the application to join your local city on our website. Again, that's collaboration.org, collaboration with a K. And if there's a collaboration in your local city, you can check out their upcoming events and programs by following them on Facebook and Twitter. For those of you in Los Angeles, the 2016 collaboration season is well underway and the Los Angeles Showcase is coming up soon in July. If you're an Asian-American singer, songwriter, poet, musician, or hip-hop artist, the Collaboration LA team invites you to audition for this year's showcase. Online auditions are open now, and applications will be accepted until the end of the day on Friday, June 3rd. To apply for a chance to compete in the 2016 LA Showcase, and for the chance to move on to the Collaboration Star Finale this fall, find the application at bit.ly forward slash collabla16. That's K-O-L-L-A-B-L-A-16. Now for what's been happening on collaboration.org, we released some great content for you this week. On Monday, we had a live music session for our Green Room series with Terry Matsuoka, a singer-songwriter from San Diego, who played a few of his original songs for us. We also released a new Coffee Break interview with improv artist Will Choi talking about his upcoming event, Scarlett Johansson Presents Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, taking place at the UCB in LA this Friday. You can check those videos out on our site or on our YouTube channel. We also have a great written interview with Kai Wu, one of the writers and executive story editor of CW's The Flash. 
where we talk to her about her career writing for TV, diversity in writing rooms, as well as her advice for up-and-coming writers. Check those out and more, including past episodes of this podcast at collaboration.org. Again, that's collaboration with a K. And that'll do it for this collaboration update break. As always, you can reach us at podcast at collaboration.org if you have any questions, comments, topic suggestions, or feedback for the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Collabcast, and now let's get back to the show. And welcome back to the Collabcast. I'm Marvin Yoy, joined as always by Minji Chang. Hello. And our guest today is Tracy Katokiriyama. So Tracy, I asked you to come on the podcast because we have a very special episode where we're going to talk about mental health awareness, wellness, Mm -hmm. all that good stuff, because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, now you know. (laughs) And mental health is a big issue within the Asian American community, especially because of social, cultural, just a lot of unique things that we deal with, um, family, you know, things like that. So um, what spurred this on was I got an email from one of our most loyal listeners. Uh, she writes, hello, Collabcast. It's May, and that means that Asian Pacific American Heritage Month has begun. And while I'm sure you will have your hands full discussing all the amazing things APAs have done this year, I wanted to remind you all that May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Mental health is still a taboo topic in the Asian American community, and it would be encouraging to hear you guys talk more about it on the podcast. As someone coping with depression, I know that it helps to listen to other people share their stories on recovery or just say that it's okay not to be okay. If you could squeeze in mental health in the next roundtable discussion or bring on a guest who is a mental health professional, I would greatly appreciate it. Best, Rira. Mm. Well, I'll do you one better than a roundtable. This is our feature topic, so we're going to talk yay, for yay. at least 20 minutes on this thing. But with not mental health professionals I by the, trade, I got but the next yes. best thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mental health practitioners, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. So it's it's definitely a topic that you know in, in the community um, it comes up a lot. You know, there's there are advocacy groups, there are professional groups um, that talk about it. You know, there's studies all the time that mm-hmm. you know disproportionately Asian Americans have the highest suicide rate mm-hmm. amongst a lot of. In amongst Females. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I know it's a, a it's a topic that Minji also has a lot of thoughts about um, because she was a public health major and also worked in um, in public health for a while. Violence prevention, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Wow, and I'm an Asian American female. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I there's a part of me that is. Uh, I'm very passionate about the topic, and there's a lot of things that I think and feel. But of course, what we were saying earlier before the break um, about recognizing where you where your limitations are, and understanding that I'm not a mental health professional, that I may phrase frame something incorrectly or inaccurately, does kind of frighten. And if I have this platform to talk about this, have a conversation, I just want to put that out as a disclaimer. Mm, I am yeah, not. A we are not doctors. Yeah. Yeah. I can only speak from my experience. And in that aspect, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions Mm -hmm. and experiences, Mm -hmm. but by no means am I an expert. Mm -hmm. But I also, like, on the flip side of that, want to acknowledge that just being people, I think that we can also be very compassionate and empathetic to understand more than we think that we know, allow ourselves to know. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're like, oh, we're not mental health professionals, so we don't know anything about that. I was like, I disagree. I think we're dealing with this with our thoughts and our feelings mm-hmm. and our and our challenges every single day what how does that 
automatically disclude you from the conversation. I don't think that that's necessarily the case either. Yeah, I agree. I think we should always be talking about it, actually. Yeah. Right? It should be something that, while it feels like there's a lot of weight, like even as you were reading that email, it's like, wow, you know, just to have one person as a guest, right? It's like, oh, it's taking up a lot of space and it's 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 a huge privilege. Um, but yeah, it should be where every month there should be some kind of focus in our respective spaces, right? Where we're just getting really real about it because for me, I, I feel like, um, it, you know, I, I don't even know the word. I know that there's a word. It's, it's not client. It's like a unit or something. <laughs> okay. When like mental health practitioners uh, will talk about, or, you know, um, professionals will talk about uh, their clients. Um, sometimes they don't use that word and, I'm sure somebody will tell us, yeah. but you Send know, your emails to podcast at collaborators.org. <laughs> awesome. yeah. I want to learn a new word. Any corrections? Um, so, uh, cause I was at, I was at a conference last year uh, about mental health and, and, and this kept coming up and I didn't write it down. And anyway, so like for me as, um, you know, to me, I think counseling in particular, having a, a therapist that I was really lucky to meet when I was 19, um, and, and to see that person regularly through my twenties, was like uh, undeniably super inherently important to just my growth and my sense of sanity and my ability to process things. And at the same time, I want to kind of double acknowledge that thought that, you know, while I always end up telling friends in certain conversations, like, you know, have you thought about seeing a therapist or talking to somebody? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I also just want to say like, everyone's got to find their own cocktail of wellness. There you go. Oh, I you know? like that. <laughs> and, and for me, I feel like my cocktail in particular are three main areas where it's really about, for me, again, going through a process of, of constantly, um, you know, healing in various spaces, whether that be on my own through my process in writing or creating. Uh-huh. Or if it's with people, you know, community, I kind of think that my cocktail ends up being like this creative process, a process with community, and a and a personal process with my own sort of combination of counseling, therapy, running, you yes. know. And then it goes back though to writing, and and it goes back. It circles around to 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 people. We are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was like, you're just speaking my heart. No, that's and that's hard because I've encountered that in, in in various ways, and I think obviously the way that a lot of people might first encounter challenges with mental health or acknowledging that contrast is with family, mm-hmm. and certainly learned a lot just from my parents um, and understanding their upbringing and the way that they were parented was a very elementary way that I got exposed to like in general when you're young you're like that doesn't sound right or that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't that's not nice and like why why uh you treated me like this and then I find out that your dad treated you like that like oh it makes sense you start piecing that together far earlier than you ever understand the concept of mel- mental health mm-hmm. or emotional well-being or any of these big again these terms mm-hmm. that that come with you know maturity and education you're still in the midst of it like you're still experiencing it very, very early, which is why we, you know, 
luckily now in 2016 we're very well aware of that whereas my parents generation they didn't they didn't know about that stuff they didn't give a shit about you know early childhood development they kind of had a basic thing of like carry your child feed them if they're crying right. it wasn't like play them soothing music right. and nurture them with positive affirmative words you know like right, they didn't right, right. do any of that kind of stuff yeah. they're like survive yes <laughs> Yeah. Make sure you can eat. Yeah, stability, you know? responsibility. Get get the kids through education. Clothes fed yeah. out the door. Right. Learn their ABCs or you know or the one two threes and you're good. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is very like it just blows my mind to think in context how much we've advanced mm-hmm. in a short amount of time compared to like how we, how long we've been around as a as a human species. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is a teensy sliver of time in which we've made these really big changes. Mm-hmm. But there's I'm not saying we're like done, of course, mm-hmm. but that's something I think. I mean about. I feel like mental health in general has made huge strides, especially this past, you know, this past century, from all the research and all the people just looking into the reason why our brains think the way they do or why people feel the way they do. See, this is my thing too. This is because I grew up, this is my personal thing. I grew up very, very science friendly. I love bio and I love the way that I love anatomy, physiology because I'm fascinated with how our brains work, how our bodies work. Like there's millions of things going on that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. So I love learning about that stuff. So I was really into scientific theory mm-hmm. and I loved seeing, you know, going from hypothesis to testing to proving like cause and effect and all that stuff. I was like, that's so badass. You, you try something and you figure out, oh, this equals that. Very cool. But then I'm also like the total artsy-fartsy creative where I'm like, no, I just feel it. I don't need to know. I don't need to justify mm. how I got from A, B to C. Mm. It just is. I'm also that. So it's this weird thing where I understood why scientists would not ever admit to anything unless it was a scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but as a person, don't you know, like you don't need any data to back up the fact that if you abuse somebody, they're going to like... You don't need to know about neurotransmitters to know that yeah. it hurt, it damages them to a degree. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that, that kind of reminds me of a, a radio segment that I heard, I think, just about last year where scientists were talking about their research on finding a gene, uh-huh. um, G-E-N-E gene, <laughs> for um, determining a person's... Um, capacity for an attempt of suicide okay and i was really yeah i was really i found myself super perturbed by that Mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with that segment or that science but i just thought wow are we gonna rely on determining this gene to figure out someone's like you know capacity for making an attempt right um do we need that I, I don't need that. I don't need that to know that I need to sometimes like beg certain people that are either in my family or very close to me to consider getting help. Right. Right. And like, um, you know, I just was really struck by that, you know. And, and again, I, I love science too. I mean, I think the, the art in science, the, the marriage between art and science, the fact that artists and scientists are always questioning. Right. Right? Exactly. Like that. You're exploring. Yeah, You're like it, figuring things out yeah. scientifically. That's awesome. And maybe yeah. the impetus for that scientist in the first place was like some very personal thing where they were like, oh, I got to, maybe there's like a gene and I can see if, if so-and-so I know. Right, right, yeah. right. You right, know right. what I mean? And that's not yeah. valid intended, but if you're, like you said, reliant upon that to determine 
somebody's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Action towards help, right. resources for help. Um, yeah. And the, I feel like that goes into you know, a couple of philosophies on how, you know, how humans work, mm. right? Is it something that's hard coded into us or something that's developed? And, you know, honestly, mm. it's probably a little bit of both. Absolutely. Sure. Um, but one part about studying this thing is also disproving it, showing that, you know, okay, maybe this isn't the cause or maybe this is a warning sign. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, those are all things there that... There are risk factors, yes. Yeah. But it's um, not an ultimate, like, you have these, so that means... Yeah, like, but I think what, what, um, what, what I was ultimately getting at was that now, nowadays, you know, there's more thought into why, you know, why people get depressed, why things, some, some people seem to not be able to get out of it. You know, there's a lot of factors, upbringing, society, culture, and even your, your body, your biology. Right, right. right? And... I think that leads me to another thing that Rira brought up is that it's still such a like mental health anything is so still such a taboo. Yeah, in there's a so lot much stigma Asian attached cultures. to it. It's so it's not okay to say you're not okay because it's it's a sign of weakness to a lot of people. And that's why I think when you're talking about like this nature versus nurture thing it comes down for me again I have not walked in anybody else's shoes except my own but from observation and conversation and heart to hearts with so many of my peers and my friends and my parents my elders I've had this weird thing where like a lot of my older relatives all confided a lot of their deepest darkest secrets to me mm-hmm. over the time within the last 10 years I've I and I I'm very grateful for that I hope that that means that I make them comfortable to share that mm-hmm. but I found out some fucked up stuff mm-hmm. that I wasn't ready to you know know about my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents but ultimately it educated me about oh well this is why residual I had this effect by having inherited all this trauma from you guys it opened my eyes to make it less taboo like it makes sense and when it's your family and someone you care about you're like oh then it's not something I ought to blame you or myself or anybody for it's just what happened and so we have to address that. But I feel like that level of honesty, that amount of sharing probably is not happening, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. based on like a lot of my friends' conversations. They don't know history of mental health illness or or even trauma. There's all these things that we just deal with and suppress. And I think that suppression is super dangerous. Mm. And that's I think that's a very shared thing in the Asian culture. I mean, that's like the beginning of a whole other podcast. We could talk about this for hours, mm-hmm. which I hope, again, this is not the only conversation we have about it. But those are the things that keep coming up in working in the arts and within the Asian American community. How much we don't talk about, yeah, you know, yeah. and and what that does yeah. to us. It makes me think about a couple of things. One, when you're talking about being a listening ear for your family, that like for us to really have some kind of practice to be prepared for that in some way. Like for us to think in different ways about what we even mean by therapy and counseling, Mm -hmm. because inevitably there are going to be people in our families, in our communities that are just not going to go to see a traditional um, psychotherapy session um, practitioner person, you know, and um, at the same time, I think I'm not saying to not do it because again, like I come from like an experience that I'm like always, when my therapist, you know, was awesome and I was always recommending this person to folks. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I do feel like it, it did make me think like, huh, where are we going to be at in the meantime when we're really trying to uh, make people understand better data 
right, for, you know, how we actually do need services in our communities, that we're not all just all good, mm-hmm. and um, that we do need resources, but also at the same time to bring our folks to the table of, of getting and even, like, fighting through the stigma right? to yeah. reach out for those resources. In the meantime, we are going to be in situations where we're going to get personally, like, sometimes overwhelmed right. with what our families... Um, tell us right and we take it thankfully gratefully Uh but yeah I've been in situations too where you know with some of my my ultimate closest people right like my own parents where I I I was like in my head thinking I really usually love honesty and forthcomingness (laughs) but in this moment right now I'm a little feeling like Fuck honesty. <laughs> this is really hard. And exactly. I'm driving and they're saying these things. And yeah. I might get us in an accident. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that that is rough. And that that's part of like where I'm at with my writing process right now. Like, you know Be creative, guys. I swear to God. Gotta, that's my that's my therapy. A. And like B, I think this is also why I'm like very passionate and believe very much so in the power of good art. So say that, and this is why even one of the prime examples that comes to the top of my head is the movie Ode to My Father, which was this movie about fleeing from North Korea. That's literally what my grandmother went through and I didn't know this until my late 20s. Because mm. she didn't share that with me. I never asked about it. And then when I visually saw it in the theaters, I think for me, it was just such a point of connection, even though it wasn't coming directly from her, to watch it and to know... That's what she experienced. To have any inkling of that was a therapy for me to cry it out and to recognize that. Mm. I think, and I don't know anyone else's experience, but I would be really hard pressed to believe that it didn't affect a lot of people to watch that and give some sort of release that they needed. Mm. Because there's a video that's been on Facebook that's a little bit viral talking about stress and the woman saying, theoretically, when I'm holding a glass of water, like, oh, so-and-so's holding a glass of water. I'm not thinking about how heavy it is. I'm thinking about how long has she been holding it? Because how long mm-hmm. she's been holding it is what causes the amount of duress on her arm, the mm-hmm. pain that she feels. And like, it could be a small glass, but if she's holding it for hours and hours, mm-hmm. it's going to wow. give her tremendous pain yeah. and maybe irreversible di- nerve damage the longer that it goes. So I was just thinking about all these different ways. Like, how do we communicate that? in a culture where it's like you don't talk about your feelings you don't even know the first thing of how to do that it's looked down upon it's dishonorable to be honest like swallow your feelings yeah. deal with your duty and shut up yeah. right and, and you know I don't know I think about it a lot mm-hmm. because I dealt with depression at one point in my my life um, and I've witnessed it in a lot of people very close to me mm-hmm. and it hurts to know that not only have I felt that pain but that other people share that so frequently too mm-hmm. It hurts a lot, and it's something that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Mm-hmm. But I think culturally we have a lot to overcome, and how we go about that is, you know, I'm thank God that you're writing and that I'm acting and have this podcast to be in my therapy to let my feelings <laughs> out. <laughs> Not that I don't do it enough in my regular life. <laughs> but um, no, I'm so grateful to hear that from you. That makes me feel better because mm. I haven't met anybody... That has had that same overwhelming feeling because I haven't really talked about that that mm. often. And I think it. the more we talk about it, I mean, I just think there's so many of us that must go through that, right? Yeah. And like it's, and, and the thing is, those stories get stuck in us. You know, I feel like one of the things I'm trying to explore right now is the bombs, like the grenades and like the explosion and the shrapnel. And like I think sometimes someone's, um, 
you know, they give it to us with care, but at some point it might explode and, and then we we have to dig up those pieces out of our skin, you know, at some point. It's just like lodged. Poetry. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to write these things yeah, on paper, yeah. but it's hard, you know, yeah. because it's like, I'm, I'm late with my pages to my publisher. I'm sorry, <laughs> Chiwan. Um, you know, Full but like, disclosure. Like, you know, it's, but it's like, it's, it, that, that's the part that's hard in art even. Mm-hmm. Like, feeling like, ooh, am I appropriating my own family's story? But it's that where mine begins or where it ends or, right. you know, and, right. and then that whole deal. Right. Yeah. But I do think we have to talk but about then also, it. Also, will the story help others? Right. I think know? so. That's yeah. the only thing that kind of keeps me going. And then ultimately like a reflection yeah. back to the people that will ultimately read it where I'm like, yeah, I hope you know why I'm doing this. <laughs> right. Cause like yeah. Minji said, you know, whoever made ultimate father probably wasn't thinking about other people's story. This was, this was their story, right. but then you were able to see it and, you know, yeah. infer your own, your own story from that. Right. And that's... And that's, then the, and yeah. for me, I have so much gratitude to whoever made that and made it so mm-hmm. well and the money that went into it, the actors who played it, it was... That's what... And that's just me. Like, that's why I believe... It, why I want to work in film is because mm-hmm. I think that it's really powerful and can... Whether it's sci-fi or action or whatever, it helps liberate you mm-hmm. and to make you feel like you're not alone. To remind you that you are not alone. Like, there are other people who will navigate very similar challenges to you that doesn't make you a freak it makes you I, I want it to instill hope uh, ultimately that's why I turn to music and film whenever I'm having a crappy day I was like <laughs> I need to just sing some Justin Timberlake and, <laughs> and feel better about life which I totally am if you're not listening can't stop the feeling please do it's joy in four minutes yeah, we're creating the eastern medicine version of <laughs> mental health right? it is there is no there is right now the eastern medicine version is don't talk about it right but I feel like I think in general people know that in like I think it's a safe blanket statement. We know at this point that we ought to talk about things. Yeah. Whether we actually do and how that happens, I think that's where we're personally that's where I think we're at. We're at the how. Right. I agree. I do agree. Because I think even with like discussions with my own mom, like I can very easily bring it up. But how we're then gonna go about <laughs> the next day? Like, I don't know. Okay, we'll visit that later. <laughs> but we talked about it. Yeah, it helps when you have good. someone. Right? Says, yeah. It helps when you have someone force like literally forcing to talk like like Minji does. That's me. <laughs> Marvin, we're not leaving this room. Tell me what you're feeling. That's not how I am. <laughs> Marvin's like, get Marvin's me out of like, here. Oh God, I'm getting oh out God. of here when this podcast <laughs> is over. We are getting out of here because yeah. no, 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 that'll do it for this episode of the Clavcast. Thank you so much. Um, we just I, I feel like there's so I feel like there's so much more we need. Like we I do, know. we should bring this up poem, more. Oh. But we'll we'll save it for another time. No. Do you want to read it? I'll just read it, and then if you cut it out, that's fine. No, uh, please. But no. Yeah, it was like I kind of wrote it like thinking about specifically like our spaces through collaboration and all the things that you're doing, and like the open mic that that you're doing and um, have done and with Tuesday Night Cafe, and I was just kind of thinking about that as a setting for this. So it's, it's, it's a short one. It's just called um, Dearest Courage. Dearest Courage, your cousin fearlessness has a lot going for them. I saw them appear on another top ten list this week, and they are useful, especially when skydiving, bungee jumping, diving off a cliff, any number of just-do-it situations. But it is not fearlessness that I covet, It is the shivering voice on stage at an open mic. 
Papers fluttering like butterflies in hands, tried to hold them, trying to hold them still, long enough to read a piece of beauty that made it through a time of transformation. The voice retreats and begins to tremor. We witness an isolated earthquake in a small pair of shoes on that stage. A tornado reading through a past moment in present vortex. The voice speeds up, slows down, trembles again, then stops altogether. And you appear. Not to remove fear from the scene, but to take it, hold it in full embrace, look forward. The voice you hold comes back to us, and we in the audience become speechless. We stand in ovation for this. I melt at your presence. Courage, who makes me swoon, holds me to my quivering words, walks alongside my fear. See, this is my um, my secret That's shame beautiful. is I don't know how to like I don't don't know how to snap. <laughs> so I can never. I'm almost like I've discovered well, something. Everyone else, that was beautiful. Everyone else can snap <laughs> because I don't know how. We'll it works. get there, Marvin. I'll help you. I got you. I got your back. I spent hours working on it in like the first grade. I was like, I, I can whistle. You can just That's be like, my thing. Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very great affirmation when someone's doing poetry. Yes, that was beautiful. It's definitely true, though. Like Tracy, my soul sister. (laughs) It reminds me of um, when I was, you know, in in business school talking about entrepreneurs and how everyone talks about how, like, look at Mark Zuckerberg, look at all these people who just did it, and like, man, they're such geniuses, and they must fearless. They're so fearless, but then the truth is, entrepreneurs. They fear, they fear risk just as much as anybody else. More, maybe, because they know more yeah. of the risk that they are actually right. facing. But they know that they have to harness it. They have to manage it. They have to, like, it's part of what they do, and it's what they want to do. So in yeah. order to do it well, they have to be able to... Courage. Use courage. that risk and, like, navigate it, right? Yeah. And that's, that's courage. Yeah. You know? I love that. That's so. beautiful. Thank you. Why applications? Thank you, folks. That's funny. Thanks, folks. This has been so much fun. <laughs> You're coming back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thank you so much. We'll bring you around. We should do her and Sean next time. Oh, Sean, yes. Sean really wants to reclaim his tie with Jenny for the favorite guest <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, if people want to find out where they can find more of your writings and musings, where can they go? Um, I have a severely um, under-updated website, so I won't even say that. Um, you know, <laughs> you can just look me up um, by my name, Tracy Katokiriyama on Facebook, and from time to time I'll post stuff about things that I'm going to share or read. And I'll be publishing a book through Writ Large Press, um, when it is birthed, and I'm in the birthing process, however it is a long one. So <laughs> hopefully this year. Yes. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks Thank again you. for joining us on the podcast. For everyone and else. For sharing your poem. Thank you. Um, if you liked what you heard, um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do, give us a quick rating and review. It helps us get in front of more people so more people can hear Tracy's amazing poem. Aww. And for those of you not on iTunes, just um, also share us with your friends who might be interested in this episode or our podcast. We always love it when people tell us they listen because it's really weird. <laughs> um, weird us out. Please keep weirding us out. If you have a question or a topic you'd like to suggest for the podcast, send an email to us at podcast at collaboration.org. As you've heard on this podcast, it actually works. So we, we're listening. Thanks again to Travis Atreo for use of this song. Excited for our intro and outro. Uh, you can check out his work on his YouTube page. 
And yeah, for the Clapcast, thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye, bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. I can't. I can't snap. Snap, 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 snap. Yes, you can, Marv. It's pressure. It's pressure. You can do it. Get excited.